You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never running assistance in Ramah Pichemesh, Israel, 5784, 2023. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Chayesara, and at the end of our Parsha we have Yishmael Ve'elet told us Yishmael ben Avraham. Yishmael is on everybody's minds today. These are the offspring of Yishmael, the son of Avraham, Asher Yolda Hagar HaMitzvah Shivcha Sarla Avraham. That Hagar, the Shivcha, the maidservant of Sarah, gave birth to. It goes through the different children that he had, etc. And Pusik finishes off in, in chapter 25, verses 17 and 18. These are the years of the life of Yishmael. He lived to be 137. He died by He was gathered in to his people. They lived in a section which was on the face of Egypt, towards Ashur, towards Assyria. So the end of the Pasuk says something very interesting, the language is very interesting. Similar understanding of it is, as Rashi says, the word nafal usually means to fall, but in this context it means lishkon, which means to, to live, to dwell. So, on the face of all of his brothers, he fell. Right, we know that Yishmael is involved, right? as we, we found in last week's parsha, in Parshas Vayero, and we're going to look back in, in the Medrash there because we have the same piece of Medrash here as we have there. The very last piece of the Medrash says in this week's Parsha, The Pasuk said earlier in Parshas Vayera, it speaks about the fact that their Shochen, they dwelled, the word Shochein means to dwell. We find the word in regards to Havtel by the Shechina. God's uh, divine presence dwells in the Mishkan, in the, in the Beis HaMikdash, in the Temple. So it refers first to Yishmael and his children as dwelling, Yishkon. But then at the end, at the end after Yishmael dies, it refers to his children as Nafal. They were Nafal, which means in, the, in this context the same thing. But it uses a different language. Why does it switch language? Says the Medrash, There's different versions of this Medrash, but this Medrash says, As long as Abraham was alive, Yishkon. There was an, there was an aspect of Shochein, there was an aspect of dwelling. Once Avram Avinu died, there was a Nafal. The, the dwelling became different. It became a fall. It became a fall. It became a dwelling which wasn't on the same level. Avram Avinu was alive, so he had an impact on his son Yishmael. Yishmael himself, at the end of his life, did tshuva. He, he, he repented. But what happened to Yishmael's children? They had a fall. They fell down, especially after Avram Avinu p- passed away. And according to different versions of the, of the Medrash, after Yishmael died, they fell they didn't have that same level. They didn't have the same greatness. The Medrash finishes off by saying something incredible. Very interesting statement. 
The Medrash says that as long as Yishmael doesn't set their hand against the temple, against the Beis HaMikdash, so then they dwell. They're in a good place. But when they extend their hand to try to take the Beis HaMikdash, or maybe to build a building on the Makam HaMikdash, on the place of the temple, or maybe to fight against the Jewish people in the name of Jerusalem, in the name of the Mikdash, so that's when they fall. But In this world, they have a certain a certain stance, they have a certain dwelling, they, they dwell well. They dwell well, right? They have a certain... Uh, I don't know what the right word is in English. I'm thinking of the word in Hebrew, tukuma, which means to, to a stance. In the end, they fall. In the end, they don't have that great level. They lose that level. Or they lose their... They lose their... Chashivus. They lose their significance. Now I want to share to share with you. I have a whole pile of swarm here because this the the Maharzu over here uh, references the other medrash in in uh, earlier. It's actually in Parshas Lech Lecha. Vuhuya Para Adam. The pasuk tells us that that he's going to be a wild man, right? Yishmael, his offspring, they're going to be a wild person. They're going to be untethered. The Medrash brings the same exact thing. Same exact language. Etc. The same exact words says the Marzu. I like to read it to you inside. Over here in Parshas Lech Lecha, two Parshas ago, it says the language of Yishkon to dwell. It sounds like they're in a state of Security, they're great. There it says, at the end of our parsha, parsha chayisar, it says, they'll fall. They fall down to the earth and they're lowered. So the, the Medrash is darshaning first about Yishmael himself and then about his offspring, which means for all generations, which means down to our very day. And it's and it's saying I'm sorry, Shalem The main prophecy here, the main thing that we learn now from the language of the verses has to do with the offspring of Yishmael that they will fall at the end of time. Interesting. What does it mean? They stick out their hands on the base Hamikdash. So I'd like to take you on a little journey here with where the Marzu sends us. So he brings a pasuk. He says. What does it mean that they stick out their hand on the base of Mikdash? So I said a little pshat. It means uh, they fight over the area of the of the Harabais, of the Temple Mount, or it's that they build their own building on the Temple Mount, on the base of Mikdash. He brings here a pasuk. It says in chapter 83 of Tehillim, <laughs> Sounds exactly like what we said. I'd like to read to you a chapter in Tehillim. It's, it's amazing. Shir Mezmer A song by Asaf. Elokim al-Damilach. God, do not be silent. Al-Techerash v'al-Tishkodel. Do not be quiet. Ki inei oivecha yemoyun. Musanecha nasu resh. Your enemies, they're speaking up. They're they're raising up their heads. Al-Amcha yarimu soid v'siyatzol tfunecha. The enemies of the Jewish people, 
They are they are planning things. They're they are secretly planning. They say, let's gather together and and erase them from being a nation. King David wrote this twenty five hundred years ago, and they want the name of Israel never to be mentioned again. Verse six. They're all joining together. Iran, Russia, China, North Korea. And they're all planning together. They have a covenant. But not just the, the sons of Yishmael, but also the, the tents of Edom, the Biden administration. Moya, Vahagrim. People who come from Moab, people who come from Hagar. Gvol, Vahamoy, Vahamolek, Pleshes, Meyoshvitsor. You name them. They're all in. They're all in. What did they want to do? I'm skipping to Pasuk Yud Gimel, uh, verse 13. Because they say, they want to inherit the beautiful place of God. What is the beautiful place of God? It's a reference to the base Hamikdash, Hagoyim Ha'elu Ha'amurim L'mala Edim Yishmael Mechol Chaverim Nishalonu Es Nois Elokim Es Nevei Base Elokim. They want the beautiful house of God. They want the Harabais. They want the Temple Mount. They want the what does the Temple Mount represent? Why are they fighting over Al Quds, which means Hamakom HaKadosh? Al Quds is Kadosh. Why are they fighting about the holy place? Because whoever has the holy place. Whoever has jurisdiction over Beis Hamikdash, that's who the chosen of God is. So they all will claim the people of Edom. We've said this recently a, a few times, but the people of Edom, the the West, will claim we are the chosen, the the um, torchbearers of humanity. Yishmaelim say, no, we are the chosen. We are the torchbearers of of humanity. Yishmael, our great grandfather, was the one that Abraham brought onto the holy mountain. Actually, they have a different mountain that they're talking about. It's called it's in Mecca. But they're all, it's called replacement theology. Well, so what happens to them? What happens to them in the end? So the Marazu gives us a hint. The Marazu sends us to Pasuk in Echa. Pasuk in Echa, in Lamentations, chapter 1, verse 21. It says like this Shamu Amim Kinencha Oni. It's talking about the destruction of the temple, right? That's where we are. We're talking about them trying to destroy the temple, or trying to take over the temple, trying to claim the Makkah the place of the temple, trying to claim that they are the chosen ones. Pasuk in Eichah says, Shamu kinencha ani, emenachimli, kol aivai shamu ra'asi sasu. Sounds like it sounds like it could have been written today. This is Jeremiah the prophet writing this at the end of the second temple. They, right, uh, and I made a mistake, David HaMelech was 3,300 years ago. Yermiyo HaNavi is the one who was 2,500 years ago. 3,000 years ago, David HaMelech. Shamu Kinencha, they heard that I was groaning. There's no one to console me. All of my enemies heard what happened to me, and they rejoiced. Kiata Sisa. Yermiyo tells us that, how do we look at it when we think about the fact that we have enemies, and our enemies have done wrong to us. How do we see it? 
we have to remember Hashem is behind everything, whether it's negative, whether it's positive, whether it's joyous, or whether it's sad. Atasisa, I know that you did it, says Yirmiyawanavi. And and what's the what does that mean? So what if I know that you did it? Has that helped me as far as my enemies? Hevesa yaim karas hevesa yaim karas v'yu kamoni. Says Jeremiah the prophet in his book Lamentations in Eicha. He says, "The day will come. You will bring that day. They will be like me. The tables will turn." Says the pasuk. Jeremiah the prophet makes a promise. The tables will turn. They are rejoicing over my downfall, but but whose downfall is it really? It's going to be their ultimate downfall. Says Pasuk Chavez, the next verse. Let all of their evil come before you, Hashem. And I'm not translating it intentionally. Just like, just like all the things that happened to me were because of my sins, and I know that. When I recognize, Jeremiah is saying, Yirmiyoh Hanavi is saying, when I recognize that the negative things that have befallen me are because of my own sins, they happen to me because of my own, my own shortcomings and mistakes. It's Hashem who did it, and I deserved it. I might not even understand it. I might not even see it. It might be too great for me to, to wrap my head around. But when I can recognize that, Yimyoh was telling me, if I can recognize that it's Hashem, so then I have a right to say that just like something negative happened to me because of my sins, there's going to be a moment in time which comes where the sins of my enemies will be paid back. They will receive. They rejoice at my downfall. They will fall as well. Right? It's it's very much in line with what we're talking about here. There's a fall of Yishmael in the end. There's a fall of the people of Yishmael and the Edom of, you know, the West and the nations of the world. They're, they get it. Ultimately, there's a, there's a, there's a, a cup, the cup of wrath which we talk about on Pesach, and it's a cup of retribution. Ultimately, everything, all of the scores are settled. Now, I'd like to read to you, first of all, I didn't translate two words, and there's a reason I didn't, because I wanted to share with you something which is, it's painful. It's painful, but it's right here. It's in our sages. Our sages told us this. Means that which we attempted, that which we did wrong, or that which came upon us, that which came upon us because of our sins. But there's another explanation for the word oilal because the word oilal can also mean, it can also mean, uh, an oil could be a child. Pasuk earlier in the Marzu also sent me to this Pasuk, that's how I found it. The Pasuk says in chapter 1, verse 12 of Eichad, it says, Lo kol habitu ureu, All those who are passing by, look and see. Is there any pain like my pain, Asher that occurred to me, Asher that Hashem expressed on the day 
of his anger. So the word oilil, which means to occur to me, as I mentioned, also means, as the Medrash says, a child. And says the Medrash, Habitu uru'uim yesh machoiv kemachoivi asher oilali. Look and see, is there any pain like my pain that happened to me? Shediktek ini vikotaf oilalti. Hashem was angry. And he was, he was angry and there was a child that was cut off. Says the Eitz Yosef, the explanation here is There was something that happened that they took. This was incorrect. This was Shalaikidin, says the Eitz Yosef. This was not, this was, they went over the line. Where do the Goyim go over the line? They serve also as a punishment for us. Sometimes we get, Hashem speaks through our enemies. And the, and the Pasuk is telling us we need to recognize that. But they go too far. They've gone too far. That's why we say all the evil should come upon them because they went too far. They went and they, they butchered our children. They killed our children. No sane, fair, righteous person could ever justify such a terrible action. No one. And they did that. So, what happens? I want to read you the Medrash. I want to read you this piece on the Pusik in chapter twenty in chapter one, verse twenty one and twenty two. Twenty one really in in Echa. And we'll see that it's amazingly talking to us and talking to our time. And and it gives us the message of how we're supposed to take this. How are we supposed to look at this? When Yishmael gets up and he lashes out and he does such terrible things, fourteen hundred people murdered in cold blood in the most barbaric way thousands of people injured how are we to think of this how are we to look at this Yeshua says that this they heard that I was groaning it's talking about another story besides for the destruction of the temple it's talking about when Aaron Akayan died the high priest passed away. Pasuk says, excuse me, when Aaron died, the clouds of glory parted. All the children of Israel came to eulogize him. They said, how can we not how can we not mourn over the great Aaron Amazing thing, it says, our enemies see when we're weak, when we're spiritually weak. They saw Aaron died, and the clouds of glory departed from the, the Jewish people that were there in the memory, that were there in, in the honor of Aaron when he was alive. And they came and they fought with the Jewish people, and they kidnapped. They took kidnapped. They, they took hostages. They see our weakness. They see our weakness. When we are weak, let's think about Aaron Akayan as the one who is Ayav Shalom Virodev Shalom. He was the one who sought after peace. We see Baruch Hashem now 
after October 7th we see how much the Jewish people are coming back into relationship with each other and how much we are doing chesed for each other, all kinds of Jews reconnecting. But when there's a weakness in, in the love for each other, it opens up the possibility for them to attack us, for them to take hostages. It's The sages say that this is not just talking about this type of situation, but also it's talking about the destruction of the Temple. Wherever the Jews tried to run, they couldn't go. They were stuck. They tried to run to the north. They couldn't. Although this is chilling. This is like talking to us. They couldn't. Those in the north, they, they were repelled. He brings here, I'm going to bring, actually read a different girsa because it, it fits better with what's going on here. They tried to go to the north, but they were, they were repelled in the north. They tried to go to the south, they were repelled in the south. It actually brings in this message the Pasuk of talking about the sins of Aaza. They were closed off. They weren't able to, to, they were repelled from Aza. That's what it says. East, west, every single direction that they tried to go, north, south, east, west. The Pasuk says, you did this. Shem, you made it that we would have such an experience. What was, what's the purpose of this experience? What are we supposed to take out of this experience? What are we supposed to learn from this experience? And this experience is something which Medrash says is going to happen throughout the world. It starts in Israel, but it goes throughout the world. Medrash says, Everyone's going to be saying, where do we go? Where do we go? Right? That's the question here. Where do we go? There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. It's, it's an analogy, says the Medrash, to a king who married a princess. He said to her, look, I don't want you to associate anymore with the peasants. She, maybe she, she was a, an important woman, but she, before she was married to the king, before she became a queen, she, she associated with peasants. He says, I don't want you to, to, to talk to them anymore. I don't want you to borrow things from them. I don't want you to lend things to them. That's it. Your connection with your old friends is over. After a certain amount of time, the king got angry at his queen, threw her out of the palace. King says to his wife, "You have been terrible. You've done wrong to me. You've been, you've, you've. What I'm saying, you don't. If you're the queen, even if you're the queen, you have no right to say anything to the king. You have no right to defy the king." So the, the queen says, I have nowhere to go. You're kicking me out of the palace, but I have nowhere to go. You didn't let me associate with my friends. They're no longer my friends. If I would have had, a, if I would have been able to borrow things from them, lend things to them, if I would have had any kind of interactions with them, I would have, you know, I would still have where to go, but I have nowhere to go. So the king, <laughs> basically in the analogy you see that the king, by forbidding his wife from associating with them, was basically 
affording his wife the opportunity that when she was kicked out of the palace, she would have nowhere else to go. In the same way, the Jewish people, Kaddish Baruch Hu says to them, you have, you have defied me. You have defied me. The Jewish people say, what, what does it say in your Torah? I'm not allowed to marry non-Jews. I'm not allowed to have any, uh, you know, close relationships with them. Look, if I was married, if I had a kid who was a son-in-law, who was a non-Jew, I'd have somewhere to go. So you, you are the one who created this situation. I have nowhere to go, says the Medrash. I have nowhere to go. I have no friends. I have no connections. I have no one else but you. I have no one else but you, Hashem. I defied you. I defied you. It says in the Torah, you shall love your neighbor like yourself. I defied you. It says in the Torah, ABC, I didn't, I'm ready to love my fellow now. I'm ready to put on Titus now. I'm ready to put on Tefillin now. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to care about the people around me and those who are running from the south. I personally have family staying in my, in my house, in my uh, guest apartment who's from the south, has nowhere to go. I'm going to change. And what is the result when I recognize that it's you, Hashem, who brought it on me and it was my problem because I defied you. And Hashem says, even after I want to throw you out, you have nowhere to go. What is the next passage? Let all of their evil come before you. And how they attacked my children. If I will be punished because I didn't have enough I didn't have enough love for my fellow if I will be punished for that do I have a doubt that the evil ones who perpetrated such terrible evil against me, against my children against my people they will be paid back says the Medrash just like you were medactic, you were you judged me so righteously, so justly for the wrong that I did. Judge them as well. Now it's their turn for judgment. It needs to come back on their head. If they want to claim that they are chosen, so then what comes along with chosenness is you got to pay for the things that you've done wrong. And the truth comes out. The truth comes out in the end. That's what the Medrash is teaching us. The Medrash is teaching us that the truth comes out in the end. Yesh din v'yesh dayon. There is a judgment. There is a judge. And each and every one of us, what do we do? What's the answer? What do we do? So there's another last Medrash, which I can't read. There's no more time. But the last Medrash... I found in the Lekach Tayyiv on this same Pasuk. Why did all, everything happen? Why was Jerusalem destroyed? And how do we get back Jerusalem? Loy Charva 
says the Medrash, why did we lose Jerusalem? And how do we get back Jerusalem? How do we get back our chosenness? It's so simple. It's so obvious. It's by learning Torah. The, the base of English was destroyed because we forgot how we learn to have a relationship with God. We forgot how to be a light unto the nations. And so we lost the temple, which was the place of Tyre, which was the place we say, It's right next to each other. Let the temple be rebuilt. Give us a portion of the Tyre. They are inextricable. You want to know how we get back, how we get back, so to speak, at our enemies, and how we get back a base of English, the temple, how we get back the crown and the honor of the Jewish people. The way we get it back is by recognizing what we've done wrong. It's by recognizing that we need to recommit in our relationship with God. We need to recommit in our relationship with our people, with all of those around us. I want to bless you. I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. That we should be zeh, we should merit to reconnect, as so many people are doing, reconnect. The, the number one most requested item of the soldiers in Gaza is tzitzis. Hashem should inspire us to reconnect to each other, to the Torah, to His will. And in this way we will be zeichi, we will merit to receive back the holy mountain of Hashem with a rebuilt base hamigdash b'mher b'yameinu. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.